Hello everyone, welcome to that food podcast. We're back after a week off. My name's Stu and I'm joined as always by my good friend who I missed very much last week, Matt. Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It's really good to be back and it's lovely to hear voice. It's the first chance we've had a, uh, to have a proper catch up, isn't it? How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. It's been quite a hectic few weeks for both of us. I mean, I since we last recorded, I had a lovely period of lockdown with my child suffering from COVID as there was an outbreak at the nursery. Luckily, she was absolutely fine. If it wasn't for the COVID era, um, it would have just been seen as a small cough and she would have been going into school or nursery. So we were very, very lucky. And obviously, my wife's had both jabs. I've had my first jab she continued to test negative for the whole period i still haven't got symptoms so we were unleashed at the weekend and i got to enjoy um my first free element of saturday since being a parent in four years as my daughter had her first session at drama school oh wow so doubly good news obviously harriet's away to drama school which is awesome and you got a bit of time to yourself as well so uh bit of a bonus there it was incredible so i said i'd wait in the car park um for her and then the lady at this um acting school said well the parents don't normally stay and especially because of covid we can't go in and watch anything i said well i'll I'll, just in case she doesn't like it i'll sit around for a little bit then i might go for a wander um i had some bits to pick up from argos and so i went there picked them up and i thought i've still got an hour and 20 minutes <laughs> what am i going to do so i went to costa and got myself a toffee spiced hot chocolate oh very nice very nice and how did harriet get on with uh, drama class she loved it so that is now another mass financial outlay of parenting after signing <laughs> her up for this but i also think that that's now an hour and a half every saturday that she gets to do something exciting that she enjoys and i've been mapping out cycling routes and running routes around near where this school is because i thought well by the time i drive home and then drive back first of all waste of petrol bad bad for the environment just doing these unnecessary trips and if i can obviously fit in my exercise while she's there that's another thing done for my saturday or i will just start becoming forget being a body guy and i'll just spend my life drinking toffee spiced hot chocolate (laughs) because it was delicious become a costa guy instead (laughs) (laughs) how's your costa guy project going that's going really well (laughs) yeah um well you know yeah i've been busy as well um all back to the grindstone we are back to uh i'm back to work now um i work in a gym which i've mentioned previously so i'm back there um so far so good um but the more exciting thing is that this job that i have has allowed me to buy a house so i'm very uh, very happy to say that and announce this on the pod um so my wife and i amy are uh, buying our first home together in kent um and very exciting times obviously a little bit scary as well um but hopefully there's, a, there's no chain involved as well so should be a fairly uh, smooth process in uh, in theory but obviously we know uh what solicitors can be like but so far so good and uh yeah very much looking forward to that I'm really happy for you guys. And I think the main question is, where are you going to put all your gym stuff? <laughs> well, we have had this discussion and Amy's uh, quite up for us to keep it. But actually, I don't think there's going to be enough room uh, where we're going to be moving to. Um, we're quite lucky with the space that we have now, but we are renting and we do want to get to a point where we can buy our own place. So we've taken the leap. Um, so we are sort of in a bit of discussion as to what to do with it, where to keep it and store it or um, possibly even sell it on. So... 
Um, we'll see how we get on with that. Uh, it's, it's all really exciting stuff. It, as you said, it's scary, exciting, and at times it gets very, very frustrating. But have you earmarked in your mind, and obviously I assume on when it goes through and hopefully without any hitches, um, have you already planned out what the first meal you're going to cook in your, your first <laughs> own home is going to be? We have we have talked about this and there has been discussion. Um, we, we haven't decided... Uh, a, a dish specifically just yet but we're going to keep it simple we're going to break ourselves into the new kitchen and new environment with something simple um and yeah see how we get on but it's a nice kitchen so that's uh, something i very much look forward to uh, the the kitchen is actually bigger than the kitchen that we have in our rented accommodation it's more surface space so i'll be able to spread my uh, my stuff out even more than i normally do and uh, make even more mess <laughs> Excellent. But then essentially it's less mess over a wider period. So while it looks messier, it's technically the same <laughs> mess. It's just fine. It's, it's how it works. I'll, exactly. And I was going to say, it's really exciting um, to, to, to get there and, and set up baits. And the, and the part of the part of Kent you're moving to is, is, is a beautiful part of, uh, part of the world. So lots, lots to see and lots to do around there as well. So I'm very happy for you guys. And uh, yeah, so and, and then, you know, it means that we'll be able to do summer barbecues there. And yep. at some point, would you believe it? Potentially, we might be able to even record a podcast together in person rather than over the internet. Wouldn't yes. that be a treat? I was thinking about this today, funnily enough, this morning um, when I was doing a little bit of prep for the pod. I was thinking about the uh, possibility of actually meeting up and, um, you know, maybe having a bit of food and a bit of a chin wagon recording the uh, the podcast in person as well. So uh, we are getting towards a point where we are easing restrictions more and more. And I think it's an exciting time for everyone in the UK so lots of things to look forward to. I did start thinking about this the other day so considering that since I sort of met you through wrestling at sort of the start of 2017 so I trained you know with you from from a PT standpoint for a couple of years as well and some in-ring stuff and then when 2020 hit so I went from seeing you maybe two times a week and I worked out that since March 20 I think we've seen each other for maybe four pie clubs (laughs) and one workout session in your garden and a walk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much it that we've done. So that's about sort of five five meetings in the last year. So I am looking forward to getting back into your presence whilst we record podcasts and eat food and maybe even cook. Maybe we could even record us cooking something together <laughs> at some point. That's a great idea. Yeah, um, that'd be really fun. Possibly disastrous which uh, will only add to the uh, <laughs> the stories and the scrapes so yeah lots of things to look forward to once again um talking of cooking what have you been cooking over the past well couple of weeks isn't it so anything uh, fun and exciting to report well i'm glad we are quite resourceful uh, in our family because obviously due to being hit with covid um and not being able to go out anywhere i had to cancel my shopping order because I couldn't go and pick it up and collect it. Luckily, there was a slot available for a, f- a bit later in the week to have some shopping delivered. But where we are quite sort of, we batch cook and lots of things, we've been eating quite a few bits out of our freezer. But I would say one of the highlights of uh, cooking actually didn't come from me uh, this week, because obviously I cooked our Tom Kerridge uh, spicy Mexican beanbags that we'll talk about later in the pod. But my wife, from her um, cookbook made mackerel fish cakes oh very nice which were mackerel there was mackerel there was leek in there and i tell you what they were absolutely delicious really really nice um we had some kind of a cashew curry which was good as well so 
yeah, it's it's not been overly um, expensive because I haven't really been able to get out of the shop. But I did two very, I'd say two quite gluttonous things uh, in the last few <laughs> weeks. So this weekend we've just had my, my brother and his husband came to visit and st- spend time in the garden. Um, we were supposed to do it over the Easter weekend, but obviously COVID positive tests prevented that. So we cancelled that interaction. So they came over, but obviously being very much trying to be uh, COVID aware and uh, such, I ordered to be delivered to my house from a local cafe an afternoon tea from a little cafe called Bethany's near where I live in Westgate-on-Sea. And it was incredible, genuinely. Sometimes when you have these afternoon teas, the sandwiches are a little bit stale, Mm. but these were made fresh, um, scones in the shape of hearts, brownies in the shape of hearts, massive slab of cake, volivants, sausage rolls, little finger sandwiches. Um, And as they came in separate trays, my brother and his husband could have a tray, and the other tray was for me and my wife, and Harriet had her own children's afternoon tea. Uh So all in all, brilliant. But the, the, the most gluttonous thing that I have genuinely done as an adult, I'd sat down in an evening. We'd had fish finger sandwiches for dinner. And again, fish finger sandwiches are all right. But mm-hmm. as we're trying to, again, continually eat the same food as, as Harriet to make sure she, she joins us, we have family meal times. So we had a fish finger sandwich about 20 past five in the evening. By the time Harriet had gone to bed at, you know, got down back downstairs I've been down about half past seven in the evening I was really hungry I was craving something very sweet nothing in the house would suffice so me and my wife went onto a delivery app <laughs> and ordered pudding to be delivered to our house so we had my wife had a waffle and I had a mint uh, essentially an after eight mint sundae delivered by Casper's very but, nice well it was very nice but very naughty <laughs> but I, I'm very naughty. The body guy has <laughs> really not helped. <laughs> but the, 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 but it, it was the cost that blew my mind of this. So mm. obviously when you're looking and scrolling down these images on these delivery apps, and I was like, oh, brilliant. I thought, oh, nine pounds and five pence for a pudding. This is even more ridiculous than I'd, than I'd anticipated. <laughs> but I said, but look at the size of it. It's massive. And... um when the delivery person arrived, very very good service, good co- you know, you know, distance delivery from the from the lady from delivery, so that was great. I opened up the little box they gave me. My wife's waffle, huge, loads of ice cream to go with it. Very very happy. I looked at what can I described as a container smaller than my delicious. I don't know if I mentioned it. My toffee spiced hot chocolate, <laughs> and <laughs> couple and times here. <laughs> And I looked at it and I thought, I've just spent nine pounds and five pence for this, plus nine pounds and five pence for my wife's pudding, plus delivery charges. I thought, I've spent twenty-three pounds on two tiny well, two puddings, essentially one and a half puddings. I thought, whilst it was glutted, and I in fairness, it was delicious. And I definitely didn't need a bigger Sunday, but so expensive. Wasn't worth the money. But did, did you suffer from buyer's regret afterwards? <laughs> Oh no, no, no it's very good. tasty. That's a, but that's it's not fine then. But it's certainly not something that I would sit there because I think like twenty twenty three pounds for two puddings and delivery is disgusting. When I think about it, how much you'd pay for this if you actually went into Casper's and I know it's for a convenient side of things because you're delivering and they're 
packaging it and taking it away. But that's the only regret I had. It was very tasty. It was a very, very nice treat, but certainly nothing I will be doing again because I consider that to be far too extravagant. It's uh, funny you should mention this. Last week at work, I treated myself um, to a Subway, uh, which was delivered by one of these delivery apps. Um, I've not used one of these before. I was in um, Canterbury, so where we live is, as you know, Stu, in the middle of nowhere, so we can't really get deliveries uh, at any point um, from anyone. So I thought, treat myself to something to be delivered to work. Um, fancy the Subway, and the Subway itself wasn't, too expensive i suppose um but then when you add delivery on top it really adds up so i ended up paying what was effectively about 12 pounds for a uh, foot long sub <laughs> and that no extras no drink that was it um just shy of 12 pounds it came to in total including um service fee and delivery and mm, yeah it's one of them isn't it because it was nice uh, but i don't know if it's 12 pounds nice <laughs> But um, talking of gluttony and uh, and waffles, I've actually um, kind of done something quite gluttonous as well. And I don't know if I mentioned, but we uh, re received some uh, cream eggs uh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have uh, reared their their lovely little chocolatey heads again, and um, we actually use them to make a sauce this time, so a chocolate sauce to go on to the top of some waffles which we bought and we met them down in a pan so boil a pan of water put a glass bowl over the top of it popped a couple of eggs in along with some other sort of uh, easter egg chocolate which was laying around wrapped in foil you know the stuff that kind of gets left over to one side um melt it down and it's a little bit thick to start with so we added a bit of milk just to kind of loosen it up a bit and it turned into this really nice tasty sauce that we put over to the uh, over the waffles and uh, a little bit of fruit as well so we felt slightly less guilty so i think we had some, <laughs> <laughs> some banana on top or something um uh, delicious delicious so uh, another creative use for uh cream eggs which we uh, still have a few knocking around the house at the moment <laughs> well I, I did remember, as you were saying about having your subway delivery, there was one thing that me and Harriet cooked during our period of isolation, which also, again, <laughs> links to a delivery app. So obviously, we didn't have any of the ingredients to do this, but she was very, very adamant that she wanted to bake a cake. And I'm not going to turn down cake. She wanted a chocolate cake. I said, no, we settled for a Victoria sponge with buttercream icing. So, <laughs> again, can't leave the house, no ingredients. What do you do? Look at a local delivery app. Oh, they can deliver you some little bits of shopping from the local shop. Ah. So we ordered all of the ingredients, which was absolutely fine. And here, and again, I haven't had, well, I didn't have the opportunity to take the photographs of it because it was uh, needing to be salvaged quite quickly. So, unfortunately, they didn't have any normal hard butter, unsalted butter to cook. So... I looked at what I had in my fridge and was like, I do have that flora. So for making making the actual the dough for the, the actual cake for the sponge, great. No problem at all. Really, really tasty. But of course I need to make buttercream icing. Oh dear. Using flora for buttercream icing, it does not thicken. So we, I had to put a little bit more icing sugar in than I would have preferred to thicken up, and we got it relatively thick. It was still a little bit slippery, not <laughs> overly so, but I thought, well, it's just a cake for at home. Took the two sponges, layered them correctly with the jam, put the butter loose cream icing on the top, and I said to Harriet, 
let's sandwich these two together. But we have to be very, very careful. We can't put too much pressure down on the top sponge because of our buttercream icing. So I lifted the sponge, put it on the top, and I said to Harriet, right, do you want to gently sandwich this down? It's like someone wanted to try and rip out the heart <laughs> of an ox, pushed down, splatted buttercream icing <laughs> everywhere, oozing like the top of the sponge was like sliding off uh. the top. And it's like, fairness, <laughs> delicious cake looks an absolute state. Uh, well, like you say, it was a cake for at home. And as long as it's tasty <laughs> and you had fun making it, uh, that's quite often the main thing, isn't it? So it's a shame I forgot about that because it would have been a nice link to food in the news uh, for your for your chocolate. But I thought I'd get that in there before I forgot. But we posted something on our Facebook page, um, facebook.com forward slash that food pod, if you wanted to go and check it out, where on the previous podcast, we mentioned about putting chocolate in the fridge. And we asked some of our listeners and our followers to give their opinion. Now, we're both very adamant that chocolate is better in the fridge. Oh, and a yes. few people criticised and disagreed, which, again, everyone's entitled to their own opinion because food is a preference. However, mm-hmm. I took it upon myself thinking, well, there's not been much in the news for food this week. So I thought, well, I can't really do food in the news without you know, actually having anything there. So I messaged Cadbury. <laughs> <laughs> did you? I did. <laughs> And I said, basically, the email paraphrasing was, Dear Capri, I like to keep my food, sorry, keep my chocolate in the fridge. <laughs> I think this is the right way of doing things. Do you agree or do you disagree? <laughs> <laughs> thinking, <laughs> This is already a great story, okay. <laughs> thinking, there's no chance they'll, uh, they'll respond to this. <laughs> a day later, and I had a response. Bang on it. <laughs> and they told me, Hi, Stuart. Chocolate should always be stored in a slightly cool, dark, dry place, such as a cupboard or a pantry, at temperatures less than 21 degrees Celsius or 69.8 Fahrenheit, to ensure the quality isn't compromised. And at that stage, I thought, bloody hell, they've responded to me. <laughs> But this is the worst part. So I'm glad they said, dear Stuart. So obviously, it's, oh, it's a nice personal touch. Yeah. However, I went and looked online to see if at any other point have they ever made statements about chocolate in the fridge. Uh-huh. And I found something from about a year ago where there was a massive article in The, uh, the Independent uh, about a chap named um, Bruno, Bruno Boucher who basically posted a picture on his Instagram about what food should be kept in the fridge, what should be kept in, in the cupboard. So it, and th- in his fridge, he's got things like jam, apples, peanut butter, ketchup, olive oil. And in his pantry or cupboard, he's got avocados, eggs, tomatoes, champagne, chocolate, soy sauce, etc. However, it turns out that Bruno Boucher had also messaged Cadbury asking about food in the fridge uh, uh, chocolate in the fridge yeah and the response it looks like it is a stock answer because the response they gave him said hi bruno 
Chocolate should always be stored in a slightly cool, dry, dark place, such as a cupboard or pantry at temperature less than 21 degrees C, open bracket 69.8 Fahrenheit, to ensure the quality isn't compromised. (laughs) So here's me thinking Cadbury cared and they were going to give me something beautiful back. But... You know, I I still think personally, I like I like chocolate from the fridge. I will continue doing it. I don't care if the uh, the chocolate is compromised. However, I'm looking again in more of um in Cadbury, and this was Cadbury Australia who was responding to to our new friend Bruno Boucher. <laughs> um, they did say if you are to keep it in the fridge, let it return to room temperature before you eat it. Again, what's the point then? No. If you're going to have it at room temperature, Why? don't put it in the fridge. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Cadbury's know what they're doing when it comes to chocolate. They've had a bit of experience in their time, but you put chocolate in the fridge and then you take it out and eat it straight away. Otherwise, it's only going to get melted again, isn't it? I love the crunch of cold chocolate. Um, and it, for me, at least anyway, it just tastes better. Um, but... The conversation that I created on social media was excellent. There's uh, quite a wide range of um, sort of ideas of the best way to keep it. One person even mentioned the idea that she'd rather keep it in her pocket <laughs> for, it to, <laughs> for it to get warm <laughs> than ever put it into a fridge. So, uh, yeah, it's been quite, um, quite divisive. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we move on to the next part of Food in the News, what's your view on ketchup? Does ketchup live in the fridge or does ketchup live in the cupboard? Uh, mine is currently in the um, pantry. So in the cupboard. Yep, same. But I keep my barbecue sauce in the fridge. Uh, okay, why? <laughs> do you have a theory behind this? Because my, we, don't, we do have barbecue sauce actually. Um, and that's in the cupboard as well. I think because... Um, as my wrestling podcast friend would call me, um, which I can't say here because we have you know no expletives or any warnings uh, <laughs> on this podcast. He thinks I'm of a, uh, a certain social standing that I have quite fancy <laughs> barbecue sauce uh, from my from my farm shop, and it always has the instructions of once opened, keep refrigerated. Right. So okay. always for my barbecue sauce, I've I've had it um, in in the fridge. Um, maybe I'm not. Bra- maybe I should be brave and and continue. To, to have it as a because why would I I mean in fairness just thinking about think about this out loud having ketchup at a room temperature is absolutely fine barbecue sauce at room temperature would be absolutely fine I wonder if in my mind it's a case of ah glass bottle glass bottle fridge plastic bottle squeezable bottle pop it in the uh, pop it in the cupboard but what it then made me think of when thinking of this uh, tomato ketchup thing and also um, as I jump around a bit <laughs> Let us know on our Facebook page at that food pod ketchup in the fridge or in the cupboard. Facebook have taken away the ability to put polls on, but we'll put a post out and we'll let you guys um, comment on it after we've released the pod. Sounds um, good. But wouldn't it be really nice if someone like Heinz came up with an idea how you could refill your ketchup bottles rather than having lots and lots of plastic? Uh, yeah, so we we do buy the glass bottle when we can, uh, but absolutely right if we can find a way to refill it or if they can provide that service then that's definitely the way forward which leads us on a bit onto what today is and uh if you are listening to this on the day we release this podcast it is wednesday the 21st of april and it is earth day 
If you have an Apple Watch, you might have been advised today you can earn a suitable exercise badge today by doing 30 minutes of exercise on Earth Day. And it just got me thinking about some of the things I, I'd seen and how to um, some of the debates that people are having about climate change. You know, obviously, I know yesterday the UK government said they were going to bring forward some of its goals um, a few years earlier to reach certain climate targets. And that then also prompted the French government to ban domestic flights, which you could do within two and a half hours on a train. And I started thinking, that's a really good step forward. Because, you know, let's think about it. By the time you get to an airport, have to check in, sit there for an hour, hour and a half, etc. Also drive to the airport, so even fly to this domestic flight. Get there the other side. If you don't have carry-on, wait for your luggage. It's going to take the same amount of time. So I think it's a really good thing from a government standpoint to start looking at these initiatives um, on reducing the impact on the environment through aviation. And now obviously all the aviation industry has been hit massively. You know, I think that's a big understatement by COVID. So it will need to be supported because there is a need for um, for air travel, for businesses, for pleasure, for people visiting family abroad. Then I also saw that uh, Green, the Green Party MP Caroline Lucas yesterday was suggesting that individuals should be levied with um, additional charges if they took more than one flight a year. And I started thinking, well, I don't know, in my standpoint, if that levy would then be used to be go back into environmental projects, it's a great idea. But you're then looking at it's always going to be the rich who can travel more mm-hmm. and it's going to be big business who will still be doing this international travel so to them the cost of tax write-off or it's something that is a bit of a drop in the ocean for those who are frequent flyers and they do it for pleasure they might all like to be more affluent people but i started thinking you know is that the way from an aviation standpoint because i think that for my job i may have to travel internationally in the future so does that mean because I've travelled for my work, I should therefore be penalised if I want to go on holiday with my family? I mean, I, th- I think there's something that needs to be done with, with the aviation industry to make sure that, because it is a big contributor to, to climate change and issues with the environment. But I'm just not sure if a, a levy on the number of flights people take is it. Uh, no, I don't think that's the right way forward at all, because once again, it's turning the emphasis emphasis around on the individual as opposed to government or big businesses it shouldn't affect individuals who are just trying to enjoy their free time go on holidays and things like that i can maybe understand to a certain degree perhaps looking at um putting a levy against big businesses um who require frequent flights uh, but for the individual no it needs to come from government initiative Um, and it needs to be things such as what France have done where they have um, effectively banned uh, internal flights Um, and do it that way. These things should not be turned around on the individual. Um, I agree. Flight is one of the biggest contributors towards uh, CO2 gases and affecting the environment. but there should, should still be that option without fear of having to be charged for the pleasure. I've actually taken a few internal flights um, years ago now. Uh, I've uh, When I first started uh, going out of Amy, she was 
Um, after we finished uni, she was living up in the northeast and um, I was in the southwest. So I'd actually get a flight, or I had got a flight from Bristol up to Newcastle. And you're quite right in saying that by the time you drive there, you've got the waiting times, you've got checking, you know, still t- two hours prior to the flight and all that sort of stuff. Plus the time on the other side of the gate as well, when you land and collect your luggage, etc. Uh, you might as well drive. I mean, for me, part of it was the confidence of driving that far. It's still, you know, fairly new driving and certainly new to driving long distances. Um, so, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons. But driving is so easy in the UK. We've got great motorway systems. And again, it just takes as long, if not sometimes quicker, just to drive to these places. Um, so there's always ways around it. But no, just going back to your initial point, it shouldn't be on the individual to take the brunt of that. No, and and then you're punishing, I think. So let's say you went on a family holiday and then it's what you've saved for one to two years to go to. And then let's say a family member who lives abroad becomes unwell. You're then levied with an extra 20, 30, 40% of a flight to go and look after an ill relative who might be at death's door. It's, it's, it's not the way to do it. Something should be done, but as we said, it's it's looking at the industry rather than the individual, I think would be the best way, in my, in, in my opinion, to do that. But I will finish Food in the News with some positive news. And it's a story that we covered um, in one of our earlier podcasts, which you can listen to in our archive on your podcast app of preference. Um, you might remember that we've spoken about a company called Earth and Wheat, who essentially give you odd bread boxes for the bread that bakeries and restaurants don't need. Well, they sent out a email update of their progress that they've been going through so far. And they've essentially said, with the growth of their community, so far they've rescued 3,000 kilograms of bread that would have just been wasted, thrown away. Wow. Which is incredible. So to date, saving that volume of bread has saved the equivalent of 3.8 million litres of water, 3,360 kilograms of CO2 emissions, and also based on their their model, they've also donated 5,000 meals to charity, which I think is outstanding work for something that only launched uh, you know a couple of months ago to make that amount of impact, and it's it's fantastic. And what they've also sent in this uh, this email link is that um, we've been given a referral code, which again we'll post out. on on the website and if you are interested in that we'll post it across our social media platforms if you're interested in getting one of these bread boxes um you'll get 50 percent off your first order so rather than spending seven pounds for your subscription you'll get it for three pounds fifty so you get a box of really good high quality bread that just is odd in shape um you can help save the environment get some different breads in for three pounds fifty if you've got room in your freezer you can store it for longer and uh, again yeah they, they give meals to charity, helps the environment, and if that's the sort of thing you're interested in, check our social media networks, and we'll post that link for you to get your 50% off. That's amazing. And what great results from um, just being in business for you know a few months, really, isn't it? Um, and I know you signed up, haven't you? And I haven't yet, uh, but I certainly will be, and I'm looking forward to receiving my first order. Well done. Uh, that's absolutely fantastic. Well done, guys. And before we move on to the dish of the week stew uh, can i tell you about cocktails oh yes please <laughs> all right so cocktails it was um we've had a couple of weeks of celebration so we've had easter and um, we also had our six year uh when anniversary um which just an update on this because i did say so i didn't get a uh, gift when 
a thoughtful <laughs> gift at least anyway when amy very kindly bought me the uh, cast iron pot um because it's six years iron is um you know goes with the six years things like a different material celebrated or is in conjunction with you know each year of marriage um so six is iron so she bought me a very nice cast iron pot um, which on the evening of our anniversary, I used to cook a very nice red Thai curry in, uh, which I was very impressed with, very tasty, um, and a good use of my pot. Also, um, you know, kind of a bit of a cheeky kind of excuse not to have bought such a thoughtful present, uh, cooking for the wife, obviously. Um, but the other thing that I did actually buy her, because um, we've we're quite fans of cocktails. Um, and so I bought her a cocktail shaker set and it has proved very useful. Um, we used it on our evening of the anniversary, but also Amy uh, turned another year older uh, within the last couple of weeks as well, since we last talked uh, Stu. And we had a, um, a World Food Club, which took us to America, where we had some fried chicken. Uh, coleslaw and potato salad all made from scratch which was delicious the seven fried chicken was brilliant really really good um but some of the highlights in the evening were uh some cocktails we were making with uh, said cocktail shaker set so one of the one of the highlights was the old-fashioned which uh contains syrup water angstura bitters a splash of water whiskey or bourbon and ice um, and garnish with a little bit of orange peel. So quite a classic cocktail. Um, if you like your whiskey, it's a nice twist on a whiskey, a nice twist on a way to drink it. And, and it's kind of one that you would have maybe towards the end of the evening when you just sort of sat chilling and uh, yeah, just kind of winding down somewhat. The other one, um, and this is the first time I've made this cocktail, was a, now, I don't think you can get this at Costa Stew, but an espresso martini, <laughs> which was very nice. Um, again, just checking my app now. <laughs> <laughs> espresso martini. So I have tried these before in bars and things like that, but I've never actually made one. Um, really simple to make, though. Uh, syrup water, vodka, espresso coffee, which we brewed on a little uh, coffee maker machine. Um, coffee liqueur as well, like Kahlua, although we did buy the cheap version. Um, put it all into a cocktail shaker, put a load of ice in, shake it all up. Um, wait for the outside edges of the cocktail shaker to go cold. That's when you know it's all mixed and uh, chilled correctly. Stick it in a um, martini glass if you have one, which we didn't, so we used a wine glass. <laughs> and it was delicious. And the other thing I started thinking about um, last night when I was making my notes on this was I wonder how many calories is in this cocktail, right? So Ooh. I had a look at this, and I wasn't expecting it to be too much, but I was a little bit surprised. In this espresso martini, and bearing in mind we had more than one espresso martini this <laughs> <laughs> this evening on that evening, um, has 258 calories, which which is actually 10 percent of my recommended daily allowance of calories. Uh, if well, I'm sticking to like two uh, 2,500, so. I just thought that was quite interesting. So in uh, in conclusion, cocktails, very tasty, fun to make, um, but possibly more calories than you might think. I, I'm glad you mentioned cocktails um, because a couple of Christmases ago, Leanne bought me a mocktail book and I wanted to, I made a few when we got it and it's the sort of thing that everything got packed away for moving house last year and obviously then the pandemic hit so it stayed packed. 
And I kept thinking the other day that it'd be quite nice as time evolved um, to not only do a meal of the week, but also to do a mocktail of the week Ooh, as well. Nice. Because obviously it means that, you know, if, you want, if you've got these non-alcoholic bits uh, around the house, it's something that all the family can enjoy. Because obviously we want people to try and cook together as part of this pod. That's not saying we shouldn't do alcoholic ones. Um, but I thought maybe as time goes on, if anyone's interested in us recommending a mocktail and posting the recipe out as well, let us know if you'd be keen on doing a, a cocktail or a mocktail with s- recipes of the week. Nice. Mocktail of the week sounds good. Um, wasn't there a show on TV called that? Was that something? <laughs> um, there was uh, the other thing in this uh, cocktail, which the espresso martini that I suggested they have was to garnish was um, four coffee beans to sit on the top. Now, I don't know what the difference is between how I made them and how they make them in a bar, but in a bar, it has like almost like a quite a thick top on a cro- uh, which sits on the drink, which almost looks like a um, like a Guinness, um, and then you sit the coffee beans on top. Um, that thick top didn't appear with the ones that we made, so we actually didn't bother with the uh, the coffee beans in the end of garnish. But talking of bean stew. Recipe of the week. Oh, yes. Yes. What a transition. <laughs> yes. Got one in. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> Tom Kerridge's spicy Mexican style bean burger. How do we get on this week? I mean, purely on the uh, on the transition alone, we're going to have to make sure this is a really good <laughs> recipe now. I mean, this was, again, I was hunting for recipes when I found this and I wanted to do something that you know again all the family could get involved with something that was a bit hands-on to make something a bit different and also like um like you guys i like a bit of a kick to my food we're not talking white pepper kick Mm. like we've had in some of our previous dishes that sort of blows my face off (laughs) but i thought it'd be quite nice to see if we could could make this recipe now i showed this recipe to my wife um when i was trying to decide what we were going to do um and obviously being a bit of a nerd, I've lined up my next few recipes of the week uh, for when it's my choices, just to start seeing if I need to get any ingredients in from afar. Nice. Um, but as she looked through this list, she didn't want the jalapenos deseeded and finely chopped because she thought it would add too much heat to it. Now, again, I don't like things to be so hot I can't enjoy them or they burn my burn the inside of my mouth with the temperature of a chili. So I wasn't too sad about leaving these out. But I thought, you know, relatively easy to come by ingredients so looking down the ingredient list we've got olive oil onion garlic red pepper jalapenos cumin smoked paprika kidney beans cooked puy lentils um cooking spray if you've got any salt and pepper and to serve uh, reduced fat sour cream a couple of teaspoons of t- chipotle some buns tomatoes avocado some jalapenos and some gem lettuce because everyone loves that crispy green lettuce in a burger did you struggle to get hold of any of these ingredients? I didn't. So on the uh, jalapeno theme, we didn't get fresh, but we did have a jar of pickled um, jalapenos, which were great. We popped them in, chopped them all up, popped them into the mix. Um, I didn't want to go through the hassle of cooking lentils again. Do you remember episode one where oh, we yeah. were doing the, uh, <laughs> the shepherd's pie and it took me <laughs> forever to cook and cool and recook these lentils um i didn't want to go through that hassle again so actually i did buy a pack of pre-cooked lentils for this dish um which i think was the right decision and they actually really helped to sort of bind the ingredients together there um 
couldn't find any Chipotle uh, in the supermarket either. Um, I'm sure it's there somewhere, but I just couldn't find it. So I actually kind of made my own creation on that one. Um, oh, wow. Just with, well, it definitely isn't Chipotle because I think that's like dried peppers turned into a, a into a, um, a sauce, isn't it? But this is, um, I just kind of picked out loads of stuff out of the cupboard and I used ketchup, um, paprika powder, Worcestershire sauce, um, and actually mixed that in with the sour cream. And it made quite a nice kind of tangy, spicy uh, sauce, which was really good. Um, so, yeah, kind of a few substitutions, a few kind of changes here and there, um, or workarounds perhaps. But, no, overall, very easy to get hold of. Um, oh, the other thing we did exclude was tomatoes because Amy... Uh, thinks they're the devil and they're not really allowed in the house um so yeah that was out on this occasion and i'm not fussed enough about them to kind of uh pick that argument that week <laughs> so <yeah. laughs> and again i think like you said the 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 process of making this meal and obviously like the, the building blocks of the burger at the end i don't think you missed out much on having having the tomato in there. Um, so the process essentially, you you, you start to sort of heat the um, the onion and the garlic together. You then put them into the the blitzer with the kidney beans, mix in the pre lentils, and then you've got this these patties that you chill in the freeze, uh, chill in the fridge for sort of a half an hour, so they're ready to to the the cook. You put them in a pan, two minutes on each side, and then you bake them in the oven for the rest of the cooking time. Now. I think we may have all had the same problem that um, that Angela Hector uh, had, who got in touch with us on Twitter, who gave great feedback for the recipe, which was, um, I love these. Uh, my partner not so keen. He finds the burger mixture is too loose. Mm-hmm. Any tips? Well, I, I found the same thing uh, when I tried this. So obviously, when you're mulching the patties together, obviously you want to try and make sure they're firm and, and stay in place. But I think of anything that's quite a quite a loose mixture anyway after cooking them it's it's going to start sort of fall into bits it's going to be a bit you know slippery is the wrong word but it's going to not be as stable the structure it's not going to be structurally sound which is why i think it was important to toast the burger bun to give you something to hold on and grip rather than just having a soft bun where things could squidge out of the outsides yeah that's interesting um we've actually made similar recipes to this one um we do we love uh, spicy bean burgers we, we absolutely love them so this is a really good recipe for this uh, for us this week um, and we have kind of done variations on this theme and other recipes have actually used and this um, might be issues for vegans but you can use an egg to kind of bind the ingredients together and that has worked really well actually um, so as a little tip there if you are trying this recipe or you want to try it again um and you're not adverse to having eggs then chuck an egg in and that does actually help to bind it when making this recipe as i I mentioned the toasted bun i forgot to toast mine because obviously at the same time this is not something that harriet would have got involved with she saw onion from day one was like no i'm not having that and she saw the spices and she's like i don't like spicy food it's like oh come on but anyway (laughs) i was making her some other dinner-based product at the same time so i was a bit flustered and that's the sort of thing for me um, when cooking if it's if it's quite full-on you've got to sort of juggle lots of things it's not as a as much of a fun experience and i kept on forgetting things i think i was doing her sausage and mash at the time 
and it got near the end of cooking time and I hadn't even started on the gravy and I was just getting really grumpy about the whole situation. <laughs> I'm sure my wife will attest to this because, again, she started listening to this podcast because, you know, my mum being the trendsetter who sometimes listens to the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and now Sometimes. my wife has started listening to it and um, she actually listened to the episode the other day when I was semi-blaming her for the destruction of my Apple Watch I heard it going off in the spare room when she was on the cross trainer when she was listening to it and I was like had to shout out going haha I'm about to bury you on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> enjoy um, think, speaking of um feedback going back to your mum with the uh, lovely feedback that she sometimes listens to the whole podcast thank you very much that's a <laughs> big compliment um a friend of mine who is a head keeper uh in a zoo over in wales he has been listening to the pod as well and uh another kind of backhanded compliment was that he uh <laughs> he said I never thought I'd enjoy a podcast about food, but yours is all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll take that. <laughs> awesome. Um, so back to back to our burgers. So um, I didn't have as much fun cooking this as I, as I wanted to. It was a little bit rushed. I forgot to toast the buns. But the the sauce with the chipotle and the sour cream had a really, really nice kick to it. It gave you enough heat to be spicy and complement what the, the spice you put into the actual burgers. But it wasn't too much that I'd go, all oh, that's too much for me to have. Also, I like any, di- <laughs> very immature of me, I like any dinner with a with a bun that I can hold on to, <laughs> bite into. It's good, good hand-eating food is all what I like from a burger. Yeah, um... Yeah, same. I mean, the the bun, we didn't have a chipotle, so we didn't get the... I, I imagine that would have been really nice, that kind of like mix of flavours there uh, with the cream as well. Um, well. I was quite pleased by a little creation. The the uh, inclusion of a burger into any recipe is always good, isn't it? So that's uh, always kind of a little bit nostalgic as well, but we've got kind of a modern twist of being vegetarian. Um, and with all the flavours that come through... Uh, I'm much like you, Stu. I do enjoy the, the the sort of spicy bit of a kick, but if it's too much, I do stop to uh, it stops me from enjoying the food, as it were. Um, Amy's a little bit more tolerant of heat, so she does like it really spicy. But I do find sometimes it kind of edges out of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, uh, great. Um, the inclusion of the salad in the in the topping as well, nice, gives that extra little bit of crunch. Shame that. It did start to fall apart as you started to bite into it, but I'm not, I'm not really that fussy. I'm quite happy just to pick it off the plate and, you know, shove the bits that have fallen off into my mouth. So yeah, happy days. I enjoyed it. Did you serve yours with anything, or did you just have burger in bun with salad? Yeah, uh, we had. Um, I made some wedges actually from some potatoes that we had in the cupboard. So we had a few potatoes to use up. Um, cut them into wedges. Put a little bit of oil, pepper and salt on top. Um, bung them in the oven for uh, sort of between 20 and 30 minutes, however long it takes. Just keep checking them. And uh, yeah, we had some very nice um, homemade wedges. How about you? We just did ours with more salad on the side. I will, full disclosure, I, I've made all four burgers because my plan was, oh, I'll just... Uh, I'll just freeze these two and just have them at another date. But hunger kicked in and I was like, well, I'll only have one bun, but I'll have two burgers, one on the side, one in the bun. Nice. So I had essentially an 
a naked burger <laughs> without the bun and one in the bun. So I, I was I was really happy with it. It's the sort of recipe, like you said, I think people who, who have made bean burgers, there's different variations. For me, it was the 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 sauces and the accompaniments that really made this uh stand out obviously i've not made a bean burger with the lentils before and mm. again it's when i've made bean burgers in the past again the same thing without having the egg involved because i think a lot of the recipes i've found historically are aimed at sort of vegans vegetarians where we're not going to have the eggs in there obviously we've got sour cream here as part of this uh of this yeah. uh ensemble mm. so it's not ideally aimed at um sort of non non-dairy eaters but you can always supplement that with something else and i don't think you'd miss out on the bean burger i said from a bean burger standpoint texture nice it does crumble a bit but as matt said just pick it back up pop it in the mouth it's still very very tasty um overall for me it was a, a pleasant experience but it isn't one that's going to make it onto my weekly rotation where i'm going to go that was outstanding. It wasn't like babuti level was where I want to eat it again. It's a case of this was nice. It was it was it could have been fun to cook had my child not been running around <laughs> having a meltdown. I I yeah. really I really enjoyed the cooking process. I had fun doing it and I enjoyed eating it. I don't think it was gonna work its way into regular rotation in terms of weekly, but we will definitely do this or a similar dish again and probably will use an egg or something similar to be able to bind it a bit more so it does have a bit more solid texture when you bite in. Um, and like I say, we do love spicy veggie bean burgers anyway, so yeah, this is definitely going to crop up again. It doesn't get a Huntley handshake from me this week, um, but still, a very, very good dish. And clearly we have the support of Tom Kerridge, because we posted this out on our... Um on our Twitter at that food pod on Twitter saying we were going to be having a week off last week, but posted the picture of um, our attempts copied in Tom Kerridge and he retweeted it. So that was very kind of him to retweet it to his followers. And Tom Kerridge has just under 300,000 followers. For those who aren't aware of Tom Kerridge, you know, he's a chef and he's a co-owner. He was, I believe the first chef to have two Michelin stars for his pub that he ran. So he's got cooking shows on the Food Network, on BBC. If you're unfamiliar with his work, go and check him out. Some really interesting recipes. He also did a, a program where he tried to encourage families to cook more healthily as well. So wholesome, healthy family meals to help people drop 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 a few pounds so again if that's your sort of thing that you're looking for looking for a program and some recipes that help you for that tom carriage could be uh, could be an option for you yeah cheers tom for the uh, retweet and the amazing recipe as well i'll certainly be checking out more of his stuff going forward um and you know moving into our final segment for today this dish has been a vegetarian dish obviously um not quite vegan because the inclusion of the sour cream um and you know i really loved it it tasted good and again it was fun to make but um it also helped me with one of my current goals which is to just generally eat less meat um so as i've previously mentioned i'm trying to decrease the amount of meat and fish in my diet uh, especially after watching i don't know if you've seen any of these stew but um programs on netflix such as seaspiracy and um what the health as well have you watched anything like this uh like these food expose documentaries stew I haven't watched them because I think it will make me really, really angry. And at the moment, I'm trying to keep her <laughs> keep in a nice, happy place. Uh, that makes it sound really bad, like I'm burying my head in the sand and trying to avoid a problem. But I like to consider myself relatively aware of the issues that are there. But I just think having it 
on a big TV screen, drumming it down into my brain how poorly the sea life is treated. Mm-hmm. I think it would just anger me more than it already angers me, just even slightly scratching the surface of it, talking about it now. It, you're right. It is, um, it's quite hard going. And it's very, a lot of these things are very one-sided. There's definitely a point to be made. Um, and this is a little bit of a tangent now, but these programs definitely have a point to be made and it's not incorrect, but it's not necessarily always balanced either. Um, they do have an agenda to get across. Um, and it's a noble agenda, but I think with these things it does require a little bit more balance, which is why it's always worth kind of reading around and kind of doing your own research after watching these things. Um, but kind of moving on from that, you know, I'm I am trying to eat less meat on a weekly basis. And I am doing this for multiple reasons, and this includes, you know, the health benefits that's associated with eating less meat, uh, the positive environmental impact, and of course, going back to documentaries such as Sea Spiracy, the um, animal welfare that's attached to eating less meat as well. But I do struggle uh, to make the leap fully because I am a habitual meat eater. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I was brought up, or brought up, even sorry, with uh, you know, meat and two veg being a staple part of an evening meal and Amy reminded me just the other day uh, much to my horror actually uh, that just you know a few years ago when she would ask me what's for tea I would say chicken and that would be it and she'd say that's not a meal Matt <laughs> like chicken is not a meal you need <laughs> you need other things with it to make it a meal and but you know, I thought that's completely acceptable so for years and years and years I've always uh, a meal an evening meal in particular would have some form of meat on and um, the other thing is that i am very active i i am a gym gym enthusiast although not so much over the past couple of weeks where we have been celebrating quite a bit i've been you know having a bit of downtime and i think uh, going back to the apple watch uh stew that's actually forgotten about me it's not giving me reminders anymore it's given up um <laughs> but moving on from that um and i do have this old school line of thought um of how am i going to get enough protein in my diet from a vegetarian diet um so i do often revert back to eating meat for my protein fix have you sort of um i know you're kind of a similar mindset of me have you sort of looked at reducing meat on your weekly basis yeah i think a lot of the meals that um my wife liam plans as well um to be in keeping with her health goals there's there's quite a lot of diversity now in in what we have i think the main thing though is just trying to balance out getting that level of food into family meals that are of a you know non-meat based products to something where we can get all the nutrients all the goodness everything that we need for harriet into her diet because where again she's quite picky you know getting things in her like chicken like like any form of meat it's just a good thing considering she went through a phase when she was three where she wouldn't touch any meat Mm -hmm. it's it's giving her that that varied diet but it's something that we are aware of and again part of the reason again why we look towards um these bean burgers for this week's recipe yeah and again excellent choice and it did help me with my goals but um you know this this has led me into researching how to get a balanced diet by being vegetarian without just turning to bread and cheese which are lovely but you can't live off it alone um, so Wait, you, have... you can't? What? This is, <laughs> Sorry. This is horrible. This is horrifying. I'm going to have to go and have a lie down. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, yeah, I thought I might be a bit of a shock to you. Um, but I thought I'd creep it in there almost dismissively so you wouldn't be too shocked. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, looking at how, um, you know, to get the right balance of nutrients, um, 
including protein, which is harder to get from a vegetarian diet. And we've discussed on previous pods that if you do eat a variety of grains, pulses, nuts, vegetables, um, along with perhaps a daily protein supplement as well, it is very, very possible to get your protein intake requirements from a veggie or vegan diet. Um, But the other thing that cropped up during my research, and this is potentially more of a concern uh, when considering the pros and cons of a plant-based diet, and something that I, I hadn't really considered too much to the point of wanting to research it, um, is the lack of vitamin B12 that is associated with a vegetarian and uh, more more specifically a vegan diet. Uh, Stu, do you have any concept of what vitamin B12 is? Absolutely none whatsoever. Okay, that's fine. So I can fill in the gaps there. We have, it's a micronutrient. So I've we talked about micronutrients and macronutrients before, macro being the big stuff, you know, proteins, fats, um, and carbs, and then micronutrients, which are vitamins and minerals. So vitamin B12 is a vitamin, obviously, and it helps your body to do all sorts of things. Um, it helps the body to make healthy red blood cells. It keeps the nervous system healthy. Um, it's also involved in a process that allows the body to release energy from food. Um, and with a vegetarian vegan diet, if you aren't looking at getting the correct balance of foods, you can lead to a vitamin B12 deficiency. And um, vitamin B12 uh, perform several important bodily functions, which I've already mentioned, um, including keeping the nervous system healthy, which the nervous system does literally controls everything in your body. So this is something we do want to look after, something that maybe we don't think about. But all these little underlying systems that are going on in your body, very, very important to, um, to look after. So some of the symptoms of uh, having a lack of B12 are, now, Stu, do you suffer from any of these? Okay, um, Extreme tiredness, a lack of energy, nope. pins and needles, a sore and red tongue, mouth ulcers, uh, weak muscles, uh, disturbed vision, even psychological problems, which may include depression and confusion, um, problems with memory, understanding, and even making decent judgments. It's really, really like integral <laughs> how important it is. And would you've had any idea how important this vitamin would be to the body system, Stu? None at all. I mean, listing through the, those lists of potential side effects to having that that vitamin B twelve deficiency. Like you, you have conversations with your friends or your partners or your housemates and there's like, oh, I've been tired for ages or my muscles really, really ache. And you just put it down to sometimes just the day-to-day rigor. But by the sound of things, it, if you're not getting the right volume of B12, I mean, I, you know, obviously just paraphrasing exactly what you've said, but I had no idea that that could have such a detrimental impact on, on your body. Yeah, and you're quite, quite right. We do often hear people say that they're really tired and um, it could be linked to this, especially if they've just changed their diet. If they have gone from be- eating um, animal-based products and completely scrapped that from their diet and switched over to a uh, vegan-based um, diet, it is very possible that they might be suffering from this deficiency. And it can lead to um, anemia, which is you know uh, attributed to it towards the lack of healthy red blood cells in the body. So if you haven't got the B12 in the system to be able to help create these um, red blood cells um yeah it can lead to well-known um uh deficiencies such as anemia so 
really important. As a side, I was going to say, as a side question, that's obviously on the subject of changing what you eat. Could this also be an impact if you suddenly significantly reduced your calorific intake potentially? It could be. It depends how you're cutting out um, your calories. So if you're avoiding particularly, you know, maybe fatty meats and cheeses, eggs, uh, milk, if you're avoiding these things, which are associated with having higher fat content, you might be, you know, it might, might be a reason as well. Um, you know, I've, sort of, I've already given the game away, but just to give a list of things that are associated with good sources of vitamin B, B12 is um, that meats, fish, milk, cheese, eggs, and also um, fortified breakfast cereals as well sometimes uh, contain them. Um, but yeah, absolutely, if you have changed your diet recently, whether it's going completely veg- uh, vegan or maybe towards veg- vegetarian or maybe cutting your calories and looking at how you're cutting your calories out, um, it could be due to this. Um, so from my point of view, where I am looking to eat much less meat, and I will continue to eat it, you know, especially if it comes up on a recipe for that food podcast, I'm not going to skip out on the meat and I'm going to continue that. But while I am looking at cutting meat from my diet, I'm also going to be looking at how to supplement my diet correctly um, in order not to miss these essential vitamins. Now, the um, sources of uh, vitamin B12, which we can get uh, as a vegan, would you like to take any guesses on this, Stu? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'd really clutching at straws, but there'll be things in potentially soy-based products, possibly. I'll give you a little clue for one of them. You either love it or you hate it. Oh, Marmite. Yes, so Marmite actually is a really good source of vitamin B12 or any yeast spreads, um, which got me thinking. I think um, beers and things are made from yeast, aren't they? So that should be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 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 fine. <laughs> um but no, the vegan sources uh of vitamin B12 and again if you are looking to maybe change your diet, um nutritional yeast um which I actually have a tub of um which the going again back to our first podcast, the the Bosch boys, I have uh, uh nutritional yeast um which is just a powder um which you can add to meals and it adds flavor. Um, and it obviously adds nutrition as well. Um, fortified um, milk alternatives as well, such as soya and almond. Um, going back to fortified cereals to um, plant-based meats where they're made from soy. Um, and apparently nori so- uh, seaweed as well and uh, certain mushroom products too. Um, so there are ways of getting this in. Um, but if you have changed your diet recently or if you are thinking about it and you are looking to go towards more of a plant-based um diet then um, certainly consider where you're going to get your vitamin b12 from and not just where you're going to get your protein from which is sometimes um, focused on maybe too much in society i suppose one of the only ways to really drill down if you do have a vitamin d uh, sorry vitamin b12 deficiency would be um, consulting your doctor blood test to identify it and then working on a plan potentially to to rectify that issue if, if you do ever come a cropper or if you're listening to this and you think hang on that sounds like me then it might be worth contacting a medical professional just to maybe dig a little bit deeper into it yeah absolutely um could well be i mean obviously try the things uh at hand initially um 
But yes, if it is a really serious problem, then do go see a trained GP. Um, interestingly, uh, a study in 2000 found that vit vitamin B12 from fortified foods, and it's just a little bit of factoid to kind of get towards wrapping up now, was actually linked with a better B12 status than B12 intake from animal products. Um, and researchers seem to think that B12 in meats and dairy might actually be damaged during the cooking process, whereas the form used in fortified foods, such as cereals and milk alternatives, tend to be a bit more stable with heat. So just why as a little interesting um, little factoid, which was found by some, uh, some study in 2000. So yeah, certainly ways around getting your, um, getting your diet uh, correct, even if you are thinking about making a big change. That's some really interesting stuff. And as you said, it's not something I'd ever consider to be a real, you know, integral part of, the, you know, keeping everything working from, you know, decision making to muscle functionality. And it really is, you know, it, it does, as you said, give food for thought, especially if you're changing your your diet. But the question is, though, as it is your pick this week, does this week's recipe of the week assist us in boosting our vitamin B12 levels? Well, it is a vegetarian dish. So let's see what we've got in there. I was going to say vegan, but it's not actually because we do have a little bit of cheese stew. You'll be glad to know. So we can get our vitamin B12 from that. Excellent. Um, and then the leftovers whilst eating the remaining cheese whilst cooking <laughs> the dish. <laughs> Absolutely. So something, and I thought it'd be really interesting to touch on, something we haven't looked at too much, um, certainly mentioned it in passing, um, but is the benefits of eating seasonally. Um, and now it's springtime and our shops are going to be full of seasonable uh, or seasonally grown UK food. I thought it'd be really interesting to look at uh, seasonal ingredients uh, and the benefits of them. So this week's dish, just to give you a little bit of a clue, is from uh, BritishAsparagus.com. And the dish is tabbouleh with British asparagus. Um, it takes about 10 to 15 minutes prep time. Cooking time is 15 minutes, so roughly half an hour in total. This dish uh, promises to serve four people, but obviously you can ratio that either way if you need to serve more or less. Um, the ingredients, some of the ingredients include uh, Quinoa, which is a good source of protein. Um, got vegetable stock, asparagus, obviously, which is in season in the UK now. Kale, which is also in season in the UK now. Um, spring onions, parsley, radishes, again, seasonal veg for the UK at the moment. And something not so seasonal, but we'll go with it. Um, pomegranate seeds as well. Um, and also in this dish we get to make our very own dressing as well so our salad dressing um, will consist of lemon juice runny honey garlic dijon mustard olive oil and a little bit of salt and pepper so something we haven't really touched on in the pod or dabbled with is um, making dressings and things like that and i have previously and i really enjoy them good fun to make and they come out really tasty normally so be interested to try this one and also to get your thoughts on it too so tabbouleh is a traditional dish served as a meze in the uh, in the arab world um, it's a warm salad and it's got the added protein boost of the quinoa um, while the british asparagus and kale keeps things fresh and seasonal so there we go Stu. i am horrified 
because this will have to be the first time I've eaten quinoa since I got very, very ill. And it's on the <laughs> list of things that I refuse to touch to eat. But it is that food podcast. I am here to be a sample. So if this helps me get over my general disdain for quinoa, then it all more power to it. And if it makes me really, really feel yucky, then it's going to make for great podcasting. <laughs> Absolutely. It could be a, yeah, a bit of a twist. And um, if you don't want to put it in, obviously don't. Uh, there are lots of ever um, interesting um, ingredients that you can use there. Uh, what would you use as an alternative, Stu, if you were to uh, look at that? Cheese. <laughs> Just add more cheese. <laughs> more cheese. No, I'm going to add it because, again, as I said, it's, it's an important, you know, it, it's a good source of protein. It's something that, like I said before, and we said on an earlier pod, these are the sort of things that people who sometimes become ill after eating a certain type of food, which is purely coincidental because I know it's not quinoa, that made me ill it was just bad timing but it's just the smell of quinoa being cooked takes me back to being that ill however it is important to try and get over these things you know you've got to do things you don't you know got to push yourself sometimes and worst case scenario if i don't like it i can put it in my compost bin it's not a problem oh what a challenge (laughs) it's now a personal (laughs) challenge now as opposed to a cooking challenge do i survive can i can i tolerate the smell of cooking quinoa will it just be (laughs) me next week on the pod (laughs) (laughs) Uh, awesome well i in in all seriousness i like the idea of like cooking in season using our like radishes and the asparagus and the flavors you're going to get from those mixed together and you said making your own dressings is always really really beneficial dijon mustard is always a key if you're making dressings it really gives a really good punch and kick to things so i'm hoping it would just disguise any form of taste or texture from the quinoa (laughs) as we go through yeah i think it might and it's also a really good excuse for us to talk a little bit about seasonal veg and the benefits as well so um yeah something we haven't touched on as much in the past so be a bit of a discussion there too Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward. I'm looking to cook <laughs> next week. Um, obviously, uh, let us know how you got on with this week's recipe and interact with us on our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at That Food Pod. Um, it's the best way to get in contact with us. If you want to email us, it's thatfoodpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to badger Cadbury about putting <laughs> chocolate in a fridge, they will send you a stock answer like they sent me and Bruno. Um, but you know, it's great to be back. I obviously, as I said, I, I missed last week. Um, thanks very much for listening, everyone. We're really glad to be back in your ears on your podcast app of preference. If you like what we do, you find what we do interesting, make sure you leave us a five-star review. And as always, if there's anything you're interested in or would like us to cover or look into, just let us know, get it, reach out, and we'll happily dig into it for you. Yeah, thanks, guys. And we will speak to you next week. Goodbye.